following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. This is one of my favorite days of the year, um, partially because it's just so darn cute. I mean, there's that. And there's always something that makes us giggle. And, but one of the most beautiful things about it to me is the Bible talks about one generation telling of the works of the Lord to another generation. And a lot of times we think of that as an older generation to a younger generation. But there is a sweetness in a younger generation telling us of the works of the Lord. There's a sweetness to them declaring in their own way and in the ways that a child understands the realities of what it meant when Jesus came as a baby in the manger. And so um, I'm just, I'm just uh, resting in the sweetness of that. Uh, we are, uh, during this time of year, this is sort of the beginning of the Christian calendar. And so we are celebrating the season of Advent, which is a fancy word for the arrival of Jesus. Thank you. And it's an opportunity for us, you know, celebrating these different aspects of the life of Jesus is an opportunity for us to mark time, but to mark time in accordance with the truths of who Jesus is. And so we've been celebrating the different themes of Advent. Last week, Pastor Bob brought a word about hope, that one of the things that came with the arrival of Jesus was hope, that before the arrival of Jesus, we were without hope. That's what the word tells us. And so he gave a word about the fact that our true hope, that Jesus is the hope of the nations. Our hope is in him alone. And he talked about how the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing, that there is this sort of quest for hope in other things, and, um, but that ultimately that hope comes through Jesus. Today we want to focus on the reality of the peace that came with Jesus, and I want to talk about it from the aspect and kind of follow through this process that we, there is first the pursuit of peace, then there's the promise of peace, there's the arrival of peace, and then there's the increase of peace. And so I want to follow that through scripture as we look at Jesus as the one who is peace and who brought peace. We know that there is a pursuit for peace. That really from the beginning of the fall of man and still, there is on the earth this pursuit of peace. We have world leaders that to get elected, they promise peace. It is a platform for world leaders to say, if you elect me, I will bring peace. That that was heralded throughout the Roman Empire, that, that the Caesars were praised because they brought peace. And so there's this pursuit of peace all throughout history, all throughout time. And we have peace treaties, and we have 
times of peace. We, we mark history by times of peace versus times of war. And so there's this desire and this pursuit for peace. Or on a more, uh, on a micro level, on a smaller level, we have a desire for peace. What do, we, what do we sometimes say to our kids when we lock them out of our bedroom? We say, I just want some peace and quiet. I just want to, can you just leave me be in peace? We, we have this desire for peace. We see that we are in a time, if you look at any of the statistics, and I try not to, but if you look at any of the statistics, we're in a time that is full of anxiety. And there is this pursuit of peace by any means possible. We try to eliminate things from our lives that seem to disrupt our peace. Or maybe this time of year, as we come together as families, maybe there are places in in those family situations, in those family dynamics that remind you that we're not fully at peace. We're not, it's not fully put together. And, and we're going to spend time together this Christmas, but we're, we're going to avoid this and we're going to avoid that because we don't really have peace in the midst of those, those gatherings. And so there's this pursuit of peace all throughout time. And we see the search for peace all over the Old Testament. But more than that, throughout the Old Testament, more than the pursuit of peace and all of the ways that man goes about trying to acquire that and achieve that and bring that, we see the promise of peace. All throughout the Old Testament scripture is the promise of peace. We heard it prophesied through the, the verse that the ladies read this morning in Isaiah that the Messiah would come as the prince of peace, and that the increase of his peace would have no end. There is this longing for peace. Throughout the Old Testament, there is a theme and a, and a desire, and the people of God longed for a universal, eternal, everlasting peace. We see uh, that the right away early in Luke, Zechariah's song, Zacharias, not Zechariah, not to be confused, but in the New Testament, in Luke, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, he sang a song over John, and he said, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God by which the dawn will visit us from on high. So here he's prophesying the coming of Jesus. And he's saying John will be the one who proclaims it. He's prophesying the coming of Jesus, by which the dawn will visit us from on high to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the promise that we have. And this, this song that Zacharias was singing about this promised one who is going to guide us in the path of peace, he's looking around and seeing all the other ways we've tried to achieve this, all the other paths we've taken 
to this peace that we're looking for. And he says, but he's the one who'll come and he will guide us on the path of peace. This came at a time where Zacharias and his people were under the rule of Rome. And there was something that Rome had that they called the Pax Romano, the, the peace of Rome. This was their, their motto, their, um, their tagline, that they came and they brought the peace of Rome. <laughs> this is how they worshipped their Caesar, because he brought the peace of Rome. And yet we know that that peace was enforced through an external force, through violence, through oppression, through control. That peace was enforced by removing really any obstacle to my way and what I believe is right and how we want to live. And, and so it was in that time that the Roman peace was in force, crushing the people, that they say, we long for this one who will come and lead us in the path of peace because this is not it. <laughs> so this is the promise of peace that we have. What we need to recognize is Jesus, who did come as our peace to bring peace, he didn't come as the enforcer of peace the way that Rome came as the enforcer of peace. He came as the embodiment of peace as the very way of peace, as the source of peace. And so there are times when we are looking for peace and we want it to come from some external force, from external way, sometimes in our own selves. And inside of me, I'm looking for peace and I go, surely if I can change something on the outside, I will have peace. But he didn't come to bring peace through external force or external control. He came to bring peace that's found in him. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. He doesn't bring peace. He is peace. He, he is peace. We want to define, a lot of times when we, we are talking about different things, it doesn't always matter what the word means. It matters what I imagine when we think about the word. So a lot of times when we talk about peace, what we imagine when we think about that word is quiet. We think about the absence of conflict. We think about not having any struggle. We think about um, not having any disagreement that there would be no more war, that there would be, and we, our imagination of what peace is has to do really more with the absence of something than the presence of something. But peace, as it talks about it in the Bible, 429 times, give or take, depending on your translation, these, these two words used for peace, in the, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word shalom, which you're probably familiar with. And it means not quiet or the absence of struggle. It means wholeness, well-being, the restoration of what is broken. To bring peace 
means to, to bring shalom means to put back together. In, in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, we have the word erene, which means to join, to tie together into a whole, to have a harmony, to make one. It does mean an exemption from havoc or war, a security, prosperity, or safety. And it is a peace that's not created through war. It's a peace that's created through the presence of this wholeness. This is what it's talking about when we talk about peace. So I want us to be clear. We're not just talking about if we all just, let's do it right now. We all just take a deep breath. <sighs> that's good. But that's not peace. Peace is much more powerful than that. Peace is actually the putting back together of everything that is broken. It is the completion, the wholeness. It's not just being able to have a moment where I can just, oh, I have peace for a moment. This peace that we are longing for is a, an eternal peace that comes from wholeness in him. That he created things. This is why we need peace. Because we were made for it. We were made. This is why when we see things going on in the world, when we see injustice, when we see brokenness, when we see war, when we see oppression, when we see uh, anxiety and fear, and it's why it's not okay with us. It's why we can't look at that and go, oh, well, that's the way it is. Because we are made for wholeness. We are made for peace. And so this longing that we have for this peace is because that's what we're created for. We were created to live in wholeness, and yet we live in a brokenness, in a broken world. But, well, let's talk about that brokenness just for a minute. That order, that wholeness was disrupted. That's the story of the gospel, that that order was disrupted when we tried to achieve something of God apart from God. That there was something God created us, he created mankind to function within this wholeness, this wholeness with him, this wholeness with one another, wholeness within creation. And we tried to achieve something apart from him and said, you know the story, the fruit and the, the promise that if you eat of this, you will be like God, you will be whole when the reality was they were whole in him. And so here's this disruption that happened. There was a fracture. There was a brokenness in the relationship between God and man. There was a brokenness in the relationship between mankind. What is the very first thing that happened between Adam and Eve after they ate of the fruit? Shame and blame, throwing under the bus, argument about whose fault it was. There was a brokenness in humanity that came. 
There was a brokenness in creation. We see that on the earth, there was a brokenness that happened when we tried to achieve the way of God apart from God. And we see this in creation, all that we look at, and we go, it's not, things are not right in the world, is this brokenness. In Romans 8, verse 18, we'll start with. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, or another word is corruption or decay, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that all of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. What is that saying? It's saying creation itself is longing for the same wholeness we're longing for. Create, when we look and we say, why this and why that and why that and why? Because there's a brokenness in creation. And there's a longing for that to be put together. That's why this story is such good news. <laughs> because this story says peace has arrived. Here's the pursuit of peace, the longing for peace. And then there was the promise of peace. For years and years and years, they held on to this promise of peace. And in this moment, the word says, in the fullness of time, when the time had come, the arrival of peace came. That's why we call it the good news. <laughs> The good news is not that there's corruption and brokenness, but it's okay, you can go to heaven. The good news is there's corruption and brokenness, but peace has come to restore wholeness to all things. The Prince of Peace, the arrival of Jesus, you heard it, was announced to the shepherds by the angels singing, peace on earth, goodwill to men, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. He came to restore the brokenness and bring in again the reign of peace. That peace would once again, wholeness would once again have authority on the earth. I wonder, when I look at Luke 19, verse 41, where it says, Jesus approached Jerusalem and he saw the city. This is where he was going to be riding in on a donkey. He rode on a donkey to there. That's interesting. <laughs> and he's going to be riding in on a donkey. And he stopped outside of Jerusalem and he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, if only you had known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. I wonder if he still weeps over Jerusalem. I wonder if he still weeps when we don't see that the way of peace is in him. Because we think 
peace comes like this. This is our pursuit of peace. If we have the right rulers in place, we will have peace. If we have the right controls in place, if I just, if I just keep control of things in my life, if I drink more water and get more sleep and take more vitamins, I will have peace. We find all of these, you should drink your water and get sleep and take vitamins. I'm just saying, God made you for all those things. Not dogging on that. But there's, we need to recognize that that's not the, where the promise of peace comes from. It came from that and from that, not from this. And he, he has to be looking and saying the same thing. If only you had known today that what way your peace would come. Because I can be like Jerusalem. And I can say, I want you to rule like this. And he says, I'm not going to rule like that. I'm going to rule like that in here. <laughs> Do you know, I don't think he relished the whole palms donkey thing. Because he had a reality. He knew that they were looking to him to bring peace on a throne like Herod's throne. Or like Caesar's throne through an outside enforcement. And he went, that's not the way I'm going to bring peace. I am peace. <laughs> so we celebrate the arrival of peace, that peace was actually established on the earth through his arrival, through his life, through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. That it was him that, that established peace. That's why he could say in John 14, 27, as he was preparing to go to the cross, he could say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We need to recognize that peace came through arrival, not through absence. Because we tend, let's be honest, when we are praying for peace, what are we actually praying for? We are praying for the absence of something. We are praying that war would stop. We are praying that, that struggle would stop. We are praying that um, injustice would stop. That disagreement would stop. That dissension would stop. That noise would stop. When we're praying for peace, we're praying for the absence of something. I would put it to us that what we need to pray for when we pray for peace is the arrival, the advent of peace, the arrival of the Prince of Peace, that that is what we would pray that that is what we would set our eyes on because the arrival of peace displaces every other thing. The arrival of peace displaces the brokenness of our world. So when we pray for peace, can we focus on that? We have friends and people we love in Ukraine, and I have some pitiful prayers for peace that I have prayed. 
you know, please keep them safe, la, la, la. Hey, they're good. Those are good prayers. But when I, when I pray from a place of worshiping and ushering a king, my prayers begin to change to proclamation of what is going to happen in that land. Not just that war would stop, but that wholeness would come through the prince of peace, not through the right leadership, not through the right amount of money, not through the right military strategy, but that true peace would come through people being introduced to the arrival of the peacemaker. We can change how we pray for peace when we know that peace comes through arrival, not through absence. Peace comes through presence, not through absence. For our own peace on the inside of us, how often do we pray for the absence of something in order to have peace? But what we can do in this season is we can open ourselves to the presence of peace and let it displace everything else. A few Sundays ago, I had just not a great you ever have a bad day at work? I felt like I had a bad day at work that day. Only I do it on the microphone, on live stream. And, and the next morning, on, Sunday, on Monday morning, I woke up just rolling with this anxiety of, I wish I had, I shouldn't have said, la, la, la. And, and I woke up with just this churning. I was not at peace. And, and I was crying out to the Lord because it just felt overwhelming to me. And, and I believe in some ways he was teaching me through it. He wasn't bringing it to me, but he said, hey, I want to show you a trick. <laughs> and so I started out by, you know, trying to like get rid of certain thoughts and certain feelings. And, and I got to this point where it just kept after me and, and, and where I physically felt this lack of peace. And I just stopped all of the, you know, uh, you know, that's a lie and I'm not going to believe that. And trying to send away and create the absence of anxiety. I stopped doing that. And I just said, Jesus, come. I just, I need you. Can you just come? I just need your presence. Can you come? Come and, and speak to me. Just come. And instead of focusing on this external, because here's the other thing I was doing. I was going, okay, next time I'm going to do this differently, and I'm going to do this differently, and I'll, okay, I'll call that person and make sure it's okay, and then I'll have Pete. All the things that I'm going to do, I'm going to control these things from the outside so I can have peace. And it wasn't working. I w it was like practically debilitating to me. And I just invited him to come, and it began to displace it because my focus stopped being on what I was doing and couldn't do and should have done and didn't do and want to do and, and what was happening here and happening there and what this person, and my focus became the reality of who he is and his peace that, that he's bringing wholeness, that he's bringing wholeness to me in places where yeah, I missed it there. And so then I'm going to just try harder and have an absence of sin and an absence of doing it wrong. 
No, I'm going to usher in the arrival of his peace. This is the gift that came in the manger. In the midst of all the noise, I know we think about it, we sing about it being very peaceful, but I have to believe in an animal barn or whatever history is beginning to tell us about all the things, with animals and Herod seeking to kill him and, and shepherds stopping by and angels breaking into the night, I'm guessing it wasn't particularly peaceful in the sense of our quiet, the thought we have about peace. But it was the force of peace on the earth. It was a force, a powerful. If we think of peace as quiet, that's pretty darn fragile. Right? If we think of peace as, as a sense of like, I don't have any struggle right now. That is a very fragile peace. He is not a fragile peace. He is a peace that comes to rule and to reign and to govern. The presence of peace displaces brokenness in our lives. So we say, great, the arrival of peace has come. And we can sometimes look around and go, <laughs> is it here? It, it came here to this place. As we're looking at everything, this is what great peace looks like. But what we need to realize in our pursuit of peace, that the promise and the prophecy of peace is that when it arrives, it will be established and then it will increase. That peace is constantly increasing on the earth. We have this same longing. If we look back at Romans 8 again, we just read in Romans 8 how creation is groaning and longing for this wholeness. In the next verse, in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 23, he says, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, awaiting eagerly, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is not seen is not hope, for who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. All of that is to say, what we are celebrating at Advent is the space between the two arrivals. We're celebrating the fact that Peace has arrived, and it is yet to be fully uh, realized. It is yet to be fully reigning on the earth. But what we can be sure of, because it tells us in Isaiah, when we say, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain 
it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. We need to recognize that we have pursued peace and peace has been promised and it has arrived and now it is increasing. Do not tell me I will not believe you that when we look at history, this is the worst it has ever been. If you believe that, you have never studied history. You don't even know what was going on when Jesus came. The kind of depravity and the kind of brokenness and the kind of violence. But the longing that we have, the intolerance that we have for the violence and the brokenness and the oppression that we see, that is a godly longing. That is a godly desire because the wholeness is meant to be increasing on the earth. That desire we have is to see it increase to the fullness where Jesus, the Prince of Peace, reigns and rules. So yes, we should long for that. No, we should not tolerate. There's no part of me that goes, well, you know, it's better than it used to be. Yes, it is, but it's supposed to be even better. And that's what we get to partner with. That's what we get to, this arrival from that point forward. His peace has been increasing on the earth. It just doesn't look like this all the time. Because it's not an externally enforced peace. It is an embodiment of wholeness found in him. We will not see the increase of peace by trying to eliminate things in our life or on this earth or trying to externally control the circumstances around us. We will see an increase in peace through the increase of the lordship of the prince of peace in our lives and then in our households and then in the areas of our communities and in our spheres where we have influence. That is where we see the increase of the reign and the rule of peace. What we need to recognize is the arrival of peace was the the arrival of the possibility of flourishing. That up until that point, from the time that there was the fall of man, where we separated ourselves from God, until Jesus came, there was only corruption and decay. And then Jesus came, and with his arrival, with his death and his burial and his resurrection, now was the possibility of flourish, of life, of wholeness. And we're living in that space. We're living not in the space where only corruption and death and decay is possible. We're living in the space where we have access to flourishing, to seeing things flourish in our lives and on the earth. This is the good news of the coming and the arrival of Jesus. But we won't find it through trying to eliminate things. We will find it through uh, submitting to the rule of the Prince of Peace. 
There are times where we want peace in our lives, but we're under rulership of something corrupt <laughs> that isn't whole and that isn't peace. If we want peace in our lives, we come under the rulership of the Prince of Peace, which means we get to be under the reality of his love, the reality of his mercy, the reality of his grace and his goodness, and we allow those things to direct us. In this way, we can have peace. Second Thessalonians, the prayer that he prayed for the Thessalonians, and also we pray for us. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. We need to recognize that the key to the peace that came in the manger was God with us. Not God was here, he left some peace, then he went there, he's going to come back and bring some more. But that there's this continual God with us, that's where it's going to come from. That's where fulfillment comes from, is this reality of him with us. In John, again, he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Later, he says, I say these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? Because there will still be trouble in the world. But in me, you will have peace. You can be outside of me and be in trouble and tribulation, or you can be in me and be in peace without having to change the external circumstance around me. Now, the reality is the presence of peace displaces those external circumstances. That when we have a people that are operating in this peace, stepping into the wholeness of God through God, it actually begins to change things around them. It begins to change the way families operate. It begins to change the needs in community, the brokenness in a community. I am fully convinced that a people of God, not just one church, but the church in a community, when we step into the reality of recognizing that it is him who is our wholeness, it is him who brings wholeness, and we don't focus on all the other ways of trying to bring wholeness, if we'll step into the fullness of this, it will begin to change everything around us. Because it, in, it introduces and it puts under, uh, under the rule the one who causes us to flourish. Not just in our lives, but our neighborhoods then would begin to flourish. And our communities and the places that we work would begin to flourish as we step into this. We have testimony of this. You, you may not see it, but you are causing things to flourish. You are causing, you are displacing corruption and decay and futility because you are a carrier of peace. The one who brought peace, the peacemaker. Do you believe that? You are. So, 
The question that we leave ourselves with is, is the rule of his peace increasing in my life? Because if I want to experience his peace and then also carry his peace, the way for that is that the rule of the Prince of Peace would be increasing in my life. The leadership of the Prince of Peace, the lordship of, of Jesus would increase so that my ability to bring wholeness would increase. My ability to walk in wholeness would bring increase. It starts with our inner man. In Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Hearts there is what you would think. It means the very center of yourself, the very inner parts of you. That's where we begin, is by letting his reign increase in our lives. So is the government of his peace increasing in your life? No matter where you are, no matter where I am, in my walk with the Lord, whether you are curious about Jesus, whether you are um, happy to celebrate him on the 25th of December and no other time, or whether you've been walking with him for a long time, the question is, is his government increasing in your life? Is his peace, the, the way that he walks and invites us to walk with him, is it increasing? Do you know increase is not like a giant measure. Increase is like increase. Increase. So we want to let him increase in us that we would yield to him and not seek our own way of peace. That, that when he looks at us, he wouldn't say, if only you knew the way of peace that was before you. But that we would recognize that it's him that came to lead us in the path of peace. That we would take another step in allowing him to increase in our lives on that path. Amen? That's his invitation to us today. The one who was promised, the one who arrived, his invitation is, will you let me increase in you today? And we say yes, right? We want to say yes to him. I'm going to read this scripture as I close. In Zechariah, this is another prophecy of the, the reality of this peace. Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just, and he is endowed with salvation. He is humble, and he's mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and he will speak peace to the nations. And his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is the space between the arrival and the fulfillment of this. This reality, I am as sure as I am that Santa will come. No, as sure as I am, I, am, I wasn't, anyway. I am as sure as anything that this is our reality. This is our future. This is the peace that he is increasing to. That there is an end of war. I believe that there is an end of a war on the inside of you that he wants to bring. That some of you have had a wrestle with trying to find this peace. And you make war on the things that destroy peace in your life. Sometimes we call them peace stealers. Sometimes they're small things like people who don't shut cupboards or who leave the bread unwrapped. Or whatever. Peace stealers. But there is a war that he is making against those things. So we no longer wrestle with that, but we step into the kingdom of the Prince of Peace where he reigns and he brings wholeness to us. What area of your life is he bringing to flourish in you? What area of your life is he saying right now, I want to put that back together for you. I want to bring that into wholeness for you. He wants to do that for you this morning. Let's pray as the kids return. Lord, we thank you for the presence of the Prince of Peace. We thank you for the promise of peace that came with his arrival. We thank you for the fullness of peace that comes when he comes again. But more than anything, we thank you that the promises that his peace will increase in us and in our, in our lives, in our households, and in our world. So God, we look to you as the one who brings that increase. We look to you as the one who causes life to flourish within us. And we celebrate that reality that before the coming of Jesus, there was no chance for that flourishing and that wholeness. And now we live in a day where we can step into it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.